how grateful we are this morning, Lord, that you're here in the room with us. How grateful we are, Lord, that you've come to vindicate your word and confirm your promise, Lord. These aren't just things we thought up or a good idea or that would sound right, Lord, but your word declares it. And you always back up your word, Lord. Lord, and it's amazing how that in our lifetime, in our day, in this very room, we get to see that your word goes from off just the written page to in that written epistle, read and known of all men on the bloody fleshy tables of our heart, Lord. Lord, that your word is not just longer confined to pages, Lord, but as it was always meant to be in the heart and the lips of a believer that believed it with all that was within them. Lord, I pray you would help us in this place this morning, Lord. Don't let us shy back. Don't let us pull away, Lord. Don't let us leave this morning without getting what you've got for us. Lord, your presence is so real and thick in this room, Lord God. It's like all we can do is cry, Lord, how great you are. Lord, you are the mighty God. And it's a great honor to serve you, to live for you, to speak for you in this day, Lord. Help us here. Bless my brothers and sisters in such a special way. Lord, as you continue to go through and confirm your word in our hearts, don't let us get distracted. Don't let us get irritated or offended, Lord, but let us soak up and reason all the words that you have for us here today. Satan, I come against you right now in the power of the Holy Ghost, and I take every spirit in this room under my control. You are defeated. You have no power. I have the power. You have none, Satan. I rebuke you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Come out of the people. Leave the room. You're defeated. Lord Jesus, have your way here today. Let your word come forth clearer, Lord, than we'd ever dreamed possible. The sky is full of the real. There's so much real of you, Lord God, that's available in this day like never before. And we get to be able to partake of it, Lord. Fruits of that land. The kingdom of heaven is here, Lord God. We love you this morning. Help us, Lord, meet each need. Ever so simply, Father, meet each need. We love you so much in your holy and mighty name. Amen. Amen. God bless you this morning. If you'll take your Bible and turn to the book of Revelation, chapter 22. We serve a very mighty and real God. We don't serve something we made with our hands, a little piece of wood or a rock or clay or anything like that. We serve the God that made everything that there is. Now, each one of us have little hiccups and little birds in our life, things we picked up in times past that was wrong. But God is the one that corrects the error. God is the one that takes his word and cleans up those parts of our lives that are not pleasing to him. It's his word, just like it was in the book of Generation book of Genesis that moved upon the water and, and it, it spoke and everything had to change to meet his will. Everything had to change to meet his will. While you're standing, Revelation chapter 22, <clears throat> verse 17. Well, let's start at 16. I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. He said, I sent my angel. It didn't belong to someone else. It wasn't some man sent. It wasn't what he said. Daddy called, Mama sent. This is God sent him. God sent him. He said, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bride and morning star. You say amen to that this morning. And the spirit and the bride. Say it with me. And the spirit and the bride say come. 
Let him that heareth say come. Let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. You may be seated this morning. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. Listen how serious this is. If any man shall add unto these things, add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. If any man shall take away from the words of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in the book, this book. In the message, Christ, the mystery God revealed, 1963, Brother Ram said the new birth is Christ. It's a revelation. God has revealed to you this great mystery, and that's a new birth. Now, what are you going to do when you get all that group together? What are you going to do when you get all that group together? In the revelation of this hour, of what God has available in this hour, he asked that question, what are you going to do when you get all that group together? What a question. He said, whether revelation is perfectly in harmony. Whether revelation is perfect and in harmony. See, the revelation of God is perfect. We just quoted to you out of the book of Revelation of Jesus Christ. That is his revelation. These are not multiple plural revelations. This is his revelation. He is God and he's God alone. These are the things that he's had hid since before the foundation of the world. But it was always his purpose and his expression so that you might know him. So that spiritual amnesia would wear off and you wouldn't be saying, well, I'm this or I'm that. You would say, no, I'm his. You wouldn't say that I'm this religion. No, I'm his. And there's none but him. There's absolutely none but him. He's the one that's in this room right now. There are other spirits that are trying to hang, hang around and hang, linger in this room right now, but they have no, 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 they can't do nothing in his presence. You imagine him sitting there looking like a bound up, handcuffed, chained up piece of garbage waiting to be flicked off the finger of our Lord Jesus Christ because that's what he does with demons. He flicks them. He said, if I with the finger of God cast out the spirits of the devils and demons, he said, what do your sons do? How do your sons do it? finger of God. See, I like that question. He asked me, he said, how do your sons do it? He said, if I, with the finger of God, remove a foul spirit, if I remove, I make a demon back up. He said, how do your sons do it? See, it's by their fruit you'll always know them. Always know them. See, that's the problem with so many other thoughts, so many ideas, so many other <laughs> understandings, organizations, religions, denominations, and I start running through all the gamut of them. You know yourself, you can't go there and get help. You know yourself, if you were bound down with a demon, you couldn't walk up to any of those services and say, I need this demon taken off of me, this foul spirit, and you know it would come off because you don't know it. So, but by their fruits, you shall know them. If he cast out demons... If preaching of the gospel sets the captives free, he said, how do your sons do it? An interesting question from the lips of Elohim. How do your sons do it? He said, I do it with a flick of my finger. And we always struggle. I don't know if it'll come off. I don't know if it'll happen. No, it has to happen. It has to happen. Even in times of our, you know, barely believing it. 
barely believing it. It don't take much faith to make a demon run screaming. Now, when that person leaves, if that person doesn't replace that, Jesus told the formula. He told the formula. When that unclean spirit is cast out of a man, he said it walks in dry places. It comes back after it gets bored and goes back to the same house and and finds it has been swept and garnished, but no one else is there. See, the Lord Jesus in his power emptied and cleaned the house, but they didn't let the Lord Jesus move in. So he goes and gets seven worse than than himself. So not only now is it was the guy bad, but now he's seven times worse. Much, much worse. Anybody want to be that this morning? See, we, we've said a lot lately the, the way that you take the mark of the beast. The way that you take the mark of the beast. And I had somebody who was confused here recently. They didn't understand that they thought that you only could take the mark of the beast during the tribulation. That's not true. People have been taking the mark of the beast a long, long time. Do you know what it means to reject Christ? Do you know what it means to only let him have 10%? And let him have 20%, you're still about to take the mark of the beast. Because the only way you take the mark of the beast is by rejecting him in his fullness, in his entirety. Well, I give him Sundays and Wednesdays. People at church think I'm a Christian. I, I will, when someone says, you know, quote the scripture, yeah, I, I believe that, I think, and unless it offends something that I'm looking at right now. But to reject him... Is reject his word, is reject his presence, is reject his spirit, is reject his leadership, is reject him reigning over you. It says each one of us in a human body, since the fall has that we struggle with, is to letting ourselves die and letting him live. But if you don't die, he can't live. What would a church look like in this kind of a harmony, in this kind of revelation? That as I preach the revealed message of the hour, there not be one spirit in this room that would come against me. Not one spirit that would bow up at me as I preach the word. But as that word comes forth in its purity. And not one of you in this room can stand up and deny it through the scripture. Not one person. You cannot deny it through the scripture. Cannot be done. Because it is thus saith the Lord. Your hearts declare it. the, The presence that you are so keenly aware of right now declares what's in this room. But wait, there's more. But wait, there's more. What are you going to do when you get all that group together? Where the revelation is perfectly in harmony and God is expressing it. Not Sam Parker, not you, but God is expressing it. So many times we get in our own rut and our own life and we think, well, I don't know how I can make this work. I don't know how I can do this. I don't know how I can make this happen. I don't know how that I can change that person. It ain't you that's got to do the changing. He steps in and he takes control. What's that do? It takes all the worry and all the fear out. Well, I didn't think I could do it. You can't do it, but he can do all things. And Scripture teaches that we can do all things through him. What are you going to do when you get a church all like that, a group all together? God is expressing it through his word by the same actions, the same things that he did, making the word manifest. And, oh, if the church only knew its position If it only knew its position, he said it will one day, then the rapture will go when it knows what it is. So we've been preaching today is what part 12 of the changing of our atoms. Now the rapture is not a poof. The rapture is not, I read 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and poof, I took a rapture. It never works that way. God won't push you through a four inch pipe, pull you out the other side and say, great is the overcomer you got to go back home. you got to go back to your test. you got to walk back in the furnace of fire, and you got to look like you've been changed. 
and the fruit will bear manifest. But after a while, that fire has no more hold on you. That fire no longer leaves a smoke on you. Ain't nothing in this world leaves its look on you anymore. So as this change happens, as this revelation slips in, and you know that it's not a poof, that it's not just, oh, it's a poof, because you each one right now, as the Holy Ghost is moving through the room, you're looking back over your life, and you're thinking about things that's been changed. And it wasn't always some great big, big old thing right away that happened, but it was, it was here a little, and there a little. Thank you, Brother Matt. Here a little, and there a little, and a little bit more, and a little bit more. And you think probably as you walked away, Lord, I know that you changed this part, but would you have changed just a little bit more? And he in his mercy would say, I'll change all that you'll let me change. And you step back and wait, wait, it was me that stopped you? See, Satan has no power. But our God's a gentleman. He's a gentleman. He is the most powerful being anywhere, anytime, any place. But he is a gentleman. And he won't kick your door. And I wish he would. I wish he would right now. And each one of us go through and kick our doors in to take complete control. But he's not that kind of a God. He wants fellowship. He wants communion. He wants nothing in you to fight against him. He wants you to say, Lord, I've opened this door up. Now come in here and I'm going to open this door up. Lord, I want you to look in my, in my kitchen. I want you to come into my living room. I want you to look in my broom closet. I want you to look in my bathroom, in my bedroom, any place that I might would have thought previously was hidden. Lord, I want you in there. Any place that I slipped and made a mistake, maybe it's in my car, maybe it's listening to the wrong kind of music. Lord, I want you in there. Maybe it's on my phone scrolling through videos, Lord. I want you in there, Lord. It ain't always just anymore and just in your bedroom. And you can do it sitting in a waiting room in a doctor's office. You're going something on your phone and something like that. But, Lord, I want you in there. See, your enemy's always coming against you. To, 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 he's constantly always trying to attack you and trying to tear you down and trying to throw things at temptation and say something to pull you away from you moving in the right direction toward the spirit of God and to surrender toward the spirit of God and Satan is constantly trying to look at this read this think about this and then you notice that when that is done you no longer want to look at the things of God you only now want to look at more of this and whatever that is. And it becomes like a burning in your brain where you can't overcome it. But that is the devil. That's a defeated being. And the only way it has any power is you take from your power and give to that demon. So you can imagine that demon standing like some little shrimpy little tiny little thing has no power. And you take some of a little tiny speck of yours and puts it in now this great big monstrous behemoth of a thing. Because you have all power in heaven and earth. You do. The scripture declares it. The scripture declares it. He said once that happens, if the, only, the church only knew his position, he said it will one day. It will one day. Now I can declare to you this morning beyond the shadow of a doubt, thus saith the Lord that we're living in that day. We're living in the day that we'll take a body change. We're living in a day that the body change is happening right now. Is this word is coming forth. This ain't Sam Parker's words. This is the Holy Ghost speaking to you right now. Coming to your heart. And your heart can tell whether or not it's me or it's him. You would be sitting here and say, well, that sounds like Sam. That sounds like Sam. Then the Lord starts speaking. Oh, that ain't him no more. He don't know that about me. But this is the God we serve. And this is why we're here this morning. He said if the church only knew its position and it will one day, it will one day. And the rapture will go. Now, as I've shared with you many times in my life, I had a misconception of the rapture. I thought it would be just one day you walk up, and all of a sudden now the faith to take a body change, poof, that it's there, and now you just take a body change and you're gone. It don't work like that. 
You'll never find that it's ever, 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 ever like that in all the scripture. You keep going back to scripture that it's here a little, it's there a little. It's here a little, it's there a little. Any healing is a taste of the resurrection. If you got healed from a cracked nail, if you got healed from a bad cuticle, the tiniest thing I can think of, if you got healed of split ends in your hair, in your hair, if you got healed of the tiniest thing, that's a promise of the resurrection. That is not just, oh, my body finally started working. I know. No, the promise of the resurrection, because we said that Wednesday night. He said, I am the resurrection of the life. He said, and, and that part steps inside, and you got a foretaste of what he's doing for you. And we think, oh, well, it's just my split ends going away, or, oh, well, it's just this. No, no, no. He, the healer, is moving in you. Amen. And the rapture is a complete healing, Amen. complete restoration of everything that Adam lost, but so much more. So much more. It's studying in there in, in, in the book of Numbers about in Leviticus, in both of those two back and forth between uh, what 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 dictating uh, the, the Sabbath day versus us to worship on the resurrection. And you have the Seventh Day Adventists that still keep that Sabbath day, and they keep that scripture, and, and they believe what it says. And, and I'm not disputing it whatsoever. What the scripture says, they didn't understand that there was a change in dispensation. They didn't understand that God did something, so they were still stuck in that old way of thinking. And that old way of thinking said, first day of the week, seventh day of the week. First day of the week, seventh day of the week, upon this holy convocation. But there's another scripture there that says, once this way's been done, once this wave sheet's been given, once this perfect spotless lamb has been put forth, that, that there be no feast of unleavened bread anymore, that that price is paid from now forevermore. And the thing about the mercy of God is that it's not limited to your wristwatch. It's not limited to your most recent sin. It's not limited to something you've struggled with. When God granted you mercy, you will have mercy until time is no more. He didn't say, well, you did this and I can't give it to you no more. You don't stepped over. He said, no, I've given you the mercy and my covenant isn't with your flesh. My covenant is with myself. I promise that I'll bring it to pass. And the same promise that we can look back to Abraham and Sarah and see that he turned them in a new body. He turned a 100-year-old and a 90-year-old woman, 100-year-old man and a 90-year-old woman back to 18 to 20 years old where the now the king Abimelech looks at a 90-year-old grandmother and said, I want her over any of the other harem, the women in my harem. God turned them back. Abraham was the father of your faith, was the father, a father, one of the first recipients of that promise of that covenant that was given. He said, I will restore. I will restore everything that the mark of unbelief did to this planet. That mark of unbelief that steps you back and say, well, I don't know if it really is for me. I don't know if it really is for them. I don't know. No, no. It's all gone to where there is nothing is left to say with God, nothing is impossible. And then to update it for a current revelation, he said, I say to you, nothing is impossible. Amen. I can close my Bible. I'll go home right now. Let's just write that down. Nothing is impossible to me. Scripture declares it. Is what you think right or what his word right? Nothing else matters but what his word says. I don't care how you feel. I don't care what your granddad, your great-grandpa, your niece, your uncle, whoever it is said. The word is correct and nothing else matters. Anytime, anywhere, it will always right the boat. It will always fix the body. It will always purify the mind. It will clean the spirit up and it will restore that soul to what it was before a mark of unbelief ever touched it where you simply believe. 
man brought his son before Jesus had the, had the seizures and epileptic fit, kept throwing himself in the fire. Every time that demon would take toward him and he'd come to Jesus and said, have mercy. Have mercy, have mercy. I brought my son before your disciples and they can't help him. He said, I brought him before you and this spirit jumps on him and so wrecks him and so rents him. He said that it throws himself in the fire. He's trying to commit suicide, make my son commit suicide. He said, I brought him to his, your disciples and they've not been able to help him. Can you help him? He said, if thou canst believe. The man said, I believe, help thou my unbelief. If there's any speck of unbelief in me, take it away. The Lord Jesus said, it's done. Well, I thought I had to muster up some great big faith. No, Lord, I need you to take away all unbelief out of me. I've been waiting for you to ask for so long. Ask tomorrow. Take my unbelief away, Lord. Take any speck away. Take any speck away. Take any speck away. I had a good friend of mine said, here's a few years ago, I don't believe there's any unbelief left in the bride. Then COVID happened. Literally just a month or two later, the world fell apart. And they proved whether or not there was unbelief there. Perfect love cast out fear. Perfect love cast out fear. So if perfect love will clean up a, a fearful heart, what will it do when you add it to a heart full of love? And you keep adding to this and adding to this and adding to, add to your patience virtue, add to your virtue, add to your brotherly kindness, add to your temperance, add to the faith, love, and keep climbing and keep climbing and keep climbing. One day you look back and you're already home. And you're just already home. And you thought, well, that was easier than I thought it would be. All I had to do was give him all of me. There was a quote that Brother Andrew read that Saturday night that was here. And, and I, I, I know Satan couldn't stand that sermon. Satan hated it with everything that was within him. Satan even reached back there and turned the knob down on the microphone. Matthew Webster didn't do that. Anybody sat beside him, Satan turned it down. Does that shock you to realize Satan worked so hard in this room? Does it shock you to understand Satan has fought this church with tooth and nail, howling and screaming? And I've thought so many times, especially when we were first getting started, I'm like, why is he fighting us so bad? We, we started out, what, 20 people, 18, 20 people, wasn't very much at all, thinking, why is he fighting us so bad? And as we grow, he just fights and he fights and he fights. And if he can't fight at us, he's trying to put us against each other, each and every single one of us, trying to tear us apart that way. See, like I say this all the time, when you look at the negative, you can get a pretty good idea of what's happening in the positive. If your enemy is scared to death of you walking together in faith and in unity and love and the revealed word of the hour, that means something good's happening. Something good's happening. So that, that sermon, that, Wednesday, that Sunday night, thank you again, Brother Matt, that, that sermon, that, that Saturday night, as I'll say it again, the scripture's true. The scripture says that if any of you have a need among you, go to the elders of the church. They shall lay hands on the sick. They shall pray for you. They will anoint you with oil. Jesus said in Mark 16, he said, lay hands on the sick. And in that sermon, Brother Andrew was reading out the message, Perseverance. Paradox, sorry, 1962, paradox. And he was talking about, and it just, I couldn't get over it. I keep thinking about it so much since then, that God had placed an element in your hand. That God had placed some kind of an element in your hand. So let's, we were talking this last night about the mantle of Elijah and what the mantle of Elijah did it split the river Jordan. And so you said, well, maybe it wasn't that. Maybe it was the faith of Elijah, the faith of Elisha in what God did to Elijah. And I, I'll give you that. But then what about you fast forward just a few years and Elisha's dead. And the Bible says that Elisha died with the disease wherewith Elisha died. That's where the scripture words it. Elisha died with the disease wherewith Elisha died. 
He died from a disease. A man that was able to walk up and open the River Jordan, that was able to make all these different things happen. He died of a disease. <clears throat> then these three other, these two other, this one man had died, and these two other Hebrews went to take him and put him there. And they got scared because I think it was some Philistines, from Moabites. Moabites was coming, and they threw their friend up onto this, their dead friend upon the bones of a dead man. The bones of a dead man, and you can always link this with Ezekiel 27. The bones of a dead man, can these bones live? Threw them up into the bones of a dead man, and as soon as the dead body touched the dead bones of something that had been anointed, Elisha's faith wasn't there at that moment. He done left that body. He done left that body. You go back to the witch of Endor, and Saul had a need. He couldn't get an answer from the Lord, so he tricks the, the, woman, the, the witch of Endor. She said, Saul has an order that every witch be killed, and I'm in hiding now. And he said, so if I do this for you, I could be put to death. He said, don't worry about it. It'll be okay. So he tricks her into doing it. She does this. This is before Calvary, of course, that she does this, and she tells him. She said, I see God's raising up out of the earth. I see God." coming up out of the earth, and he's still dressed in his prophet's mantle, still in that prophet's mantle. This is the witch of Endor's uh, description to Saul. I see a God coming up out of the earth, and he's still got his prophet clothes on. See, the body had to been separated from the soul and spirit. That body was laying in the dust at that point, pretty close. I don't know how long, many years exactly, but... So Elisha had a dead body thrown on him. Elisha, in the dead body form, had a dead body thrown onto him and immediately quickened him and brought him back to life. All of these things are types of a rapture. All of these things are glimpses of what your body changed. Look, all of these things, no matter down to the most simplest uh, attitude change. The simplest attitude change. What the Lord has done in the last 11 services, I've looked back and said, Lord, that's just too simple. That's just way too simple. Why you got me preaching on attitude and loving each other? Why you got me preaching? Because you will not take a rapture without it. You will not take a rapture without it. Don't let the devil lie to you. Don't let him trick you or confuse you because you will not take a rapture without it. You won't take a rapture sitting at home. You won't. Now, I'm not saying that the, the rapture wouldn't happen in between service. I'm not saying that. But the Bible says that you must even much, so much more so as the day approaches. Forsake not the assembly of yourselves together. We can hang on the wall back there. The Brother Ram said, if Christ, I love that, the prophet, the simple, with seventh grade education says, if Christ is in your heart, he said, you can't hardly wait for those doors to open. Yes. You're sitting over there. Will you please open the door? Will you please get here? Open it. Unlock the door. Please let me in. I can't wait to fellowship with my brothers. Can't wait. Get somebody on 4 o'clock on a Wednesday afternoon. What are you so excited about? I'm going to go fellowship with my brothers and sisters. Why are you so excited? It ain't Friday. I don't care about Friday. I'm going to have a really good time tonight. I'm going this morning. I'm going to the house of the Lord. You're going to see a jubilee because I'm bringing it with me. I'm bringing it with me. Let me in. Of course Satan would fight that. Of course, Satan would come against that. Well, now you're sick. Well, now you have this. Well, now you got to work late. Well, now you've had a flat tire. Well, now you got a ticket on the way. All these different things. You understand Satan is going to fight it with everything he's got. And we think, oh, well, it just must not have meant to be. It's just one service. And Satan's like, well, that was easier than I thought. That was easier than I thought. I thought he'd put up more of a fight than that. But when we get here, we've got the others that make it through the doors. And you sit through all service and I didn't really feel nothing. I'm the same way I walked in as I leave. I sit there just staring down, doing nothing, not paying attention, not giving any attention, not trying to enter in the right attitude or atmosphere, not trying to give my heart to God. I'm sitting here fighting with all that's within me. And you leave the way you come in. 
That's the way it's meant to be. <laughs> Forgive me. The devil's been trying to give me a sinus infection and a stomach issue the last few days. Satan's still defeated. Amen. Still defeated. Satan's tried his best to take my voice the last few days, but Satan's still defeated. I'll whisper or I'll scream it. Satan's still defeated. Now, this quote that I want to read to you, it's just one paragraph. It's out of the January 28, 1962, a paradox, Charity. Brother Andrew was talking about this Saturday night. I wanted to put on the board right here. That element is given to us. Now, I asked you, was it Wednesday night or last Sunday? One of the two. I asked you, of you, the people sitting in this room right now, do you believe William Brand to be a prophet? And your heart, your, your conversation, all those things declare whether or not it's true. If you believe him to be a prophet. So that's one part. There's been a lot of prophets. Do you believe him to be a prophet? Okay, I'll check that. Do you believe him to be the seventh angel messenger? Do you believe him to be the Eliezer between you and your husband? It's a yes or no question. Be honest. Yes or no. It's that simple. See, there's too much vindication. There's too much proving of God. That right there hangs in the wall of the uh, religious arts in Congress, religious arts in Washington, D.C. It is the only supernaturally vindicated, authentic, I'm running out of big words, authenticated, proven picture on the planet. Only one. Is that one right there? That's the only one. Well, no, it didn't really happen. That's the devil. That's the devil. See, the picture alone, faith in what God is, that, that one on the right, faith has not healed too many people. So if you would hear that, and you have a simple heart of faith, and you're like, wait a minute, you're telling me that I can believe in the one on the right just by believing that he's real. Because it's not about any graven image. It's not about worshiping a picture, any of that nonsense that Satan puts in your mind. It's not any of that junk. It's about believing that that proves that there's a living God. That proves there's a living God. He was allowed to have a picture taken of him. It's been seen moving through a room. That same pillar of fire moved through this room. Same one. And you sit there and what's stopping you? What's stopping you? What hinders between you giving everything your heart to God? See, the Bible, the devil's okay with you. Believe me. I, I can loosely admit that some of this is true. I loosely Give you, I loosely, I'll give you some of that, but that keeps him 2,000 years ago. And Satan's like, no, God don't do that no more. God don't do that no more. He, no, God's dead. God's there. God's, he stayed back then. The, the can of the scripture is closed. Revelation 22 was ended and it's done. That's where God stopped. Not the God I serve. Maybe the God you serve. Not the God I serve. See, the God I serve reveals themselves in signs and wonders. So I'll ask you this again, just like he asked Jesus. Did Jesus ask them, if I, through the power of God, cast demons out with a finger, what do your sons do? So then you go back and look at your denomination. You look at this religion. You look at this spirit that's antichrist to God and say, well, no, this is what I've always been. And this is what I've always dreamed. And this is what always I've been told my whole life is right. I've been brainwashed to believe this is right. Well, is it producing fruits of the Bible? Well, no. No, I'm just as bound as I was when I was born into it. Just as bound, I still got complexes, I still got this, I got all those things. But Christ is a healer. Christ is a deliverer. Christ is the one that sets free. He's the only one that does. So if he, through the finger of God, cast out demons, what do your sons do it by? And they could have said, well, our sons just don't do it. They just don't do it. So they're congregants, they're, they're believers, they're members, they go home just as bound as they walked in the door. Christ come to set the captive free. 
He came to set the captive free. <clears throat> Man. Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy. The element is given to us. That element is given to us if we'll just abide in the word. Stay there. We were talking about this last night. The way Satan keeps you from reading your Bible. He'll, he'll put anything in front of you. Do this, do this, do this, and do this. And come the end of the day, have you read your Bible? Marvelous success. Marvelous success. He walks away. I put my foot on her neck that night. I put my foot on her neck that, his neck that day. And I won that one. I won that one. Every day's a battle. Every day's a battle. Every step is a battle. Every fight is a battle. Your enemy knows these things. He knows these things. This is what you're fighting against. This is what is fighting against you. He said that element is given to us if we'll just abide in the word. He said, stay there. Stay there. See, this is what my issue with with so many other people that don't believe that he's a prophet. He only taught the Lord Jesus Christ. He only taught the Bible. Only ever, ever, ever taught the Bible. Anytime anybody would disagree with anything, he would say, you take your Bible, we'll put it next to my Bible, and we'll see what it says about the matter. If there's a Bible question, there's a Bible answer. If there's a Bible question, there's a Bible answer. So if Jesus is the same yesterday as he is today, as he'll be forever, then there must be proof of it somewhere. Okay, you said yes. I'll check that. If we'll just abide in the word, stay there. He said, I believe we're on the verge of seeing it happen. On the verge of seeing it happen. Now, this right here is January of 1962. This was a year and a month before the coming of the Lord. This was a year and a month before the seals are preached. This is a year and a month before the lion stepped forward and took the book and pulled the seals off of it to make himself known to you. And the prophet is standing on earth with all kinds of critics in the room. He steps up in the face of every unbelieving spirit, said, I believe we're on the verge of seeing it happen. Those demons are sitting there saying, I'll stop that. I'll stop that. I'll tell them you're this. I'll say that you're this. I'll do this. And I'll tear down your character. I'll tear down everything about you. But I heard something Brother, brother uh, Ron Spencer said a few years ago down at Brother Tim Pruitt's meetings. He was talking about those unbelieving spirits that are sitting in the audience. Those people that try to come against the message and God's prophet for our day. He said, I'll say it like this. He said, your boss couldn't stop it 40 years ago. Your boss, the one that's controlling and governing you, the devil, could not stop it 40 years ago, night after night. Night after night. So we're talking about recorded services from 1947 to 1965. The last one being what, December 17th, 15th, whatever it was, communion was, that last service that he preached. First one being recorded, being faith is the service, the substance that we have, uh, actual proof of it, a proof of it, recording of it. <laughs> that, that, that all those nights, and it happened, the, the, the ministry in God of his life, God in his life was way before then. But the same the enemy that you fight, the same demons that you fight, the same house of hell that you come against every day, walked up there, brought all their armaments every single day, and was defeated every single day. Not in the flesh of William Branham, by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not in the flesh of William Branham, but the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. And defeated him every single day. So as far as an enemy, if you had somebody that was, that was uh, maybe say he was a young man when he was attacking somebody's dad. And then he was able to you know, attack the dad and he couldn't whoop the dad. And then years go past and now the son is grazed up. And now he's okay, I'm going to attack the son. And, and he's like, well, I had no traction against the, da- the dad. Maybe I can get some against the son. Still couldn't do it. This ain't no power in him because he has no power. 
He's just a con man. He's just a bluff. He's just a liar. Just a liar. He's just a liar. If he's telling you the word, he's twisting you the word. He said that element is given to us if we'll just abide in the word. What better advice could you give anyone? Live here. Live here and let it live in me. Well, no, I mean, no. I've heard people say that we were told don't read our Bible too much. Make you neurotic. We were told don't pray too much. It'll make you crazy. It'll make you all these different things. So again, the disciples come to Jesus and they asked him, how could we not cast that demon out? And he said, this kind of faith only comes by prayer and fasting. Only comes by prayer and fasting. Be able to cast out that kind of a demon. But it's doable. It is doable. He said that element is given to us if we'll just abide in the word. He said, stay there. Stay there. Don't add to it. Don't take away from it. He said, I believe we're on the verge of seeing it happen. I'll echo my voice with the prophet. I believe that we are seeing it happen. I'm not saying birds. I've been seeing too much. Doesn't seem too much. So we've been here now for two full months. Two full months. That what God has done in this room is so much greater and higher than what he did in the other room. I never, as powerful as that was, I never felt him moving through the aisle after aisle. Maybe it was just me. Maybe I didn't want in the right spirit, but I never felt the power of his presence as powerfully as I have here the last three or four services. Moving up and down the aisles. Holy Ghost, a pillar of fire, moving from aisle to aisle just like that. Am I alone? Oh, not alone? Okay. Let's make sure it ain't just me. He said, live true to the word. He said, there you are. He said he had cooked fish. That was a paradox. And we was talking about that recently about he, he took the fish and he tore it off and he handed it back and it grew back. He took the fish, he tore it off, handed it back and grew back. He took the bread, ripped it apart. You know, if you ever go to Carriage Crossing, they give buns now. You got other places that give bread, Longhorn, different places like that. You tear it off and give it to your neighbor. You ain't never seen it grow back yet. You heard how I worded that yet. You ain't seen it grow back yet. You tear it off and go back. But as he is, so are we in this world. It's not meant to be a part of trick. It's not meant to be a show. It's meant to meet a need. And to prove that God is still God. Amen. To prove that God is still God. Turn over to 1 Kings with me. Do you believe the word of the Lord? 1 Kings chapter 17. Now, the very first CD that was put out that was actually given away free of charge by the voice of God was that sermon, 1959, Be Certain of God. And it was free because the other CDs they cost, you had to pay for it. You know, the making when CDs were expensive they first coming out. I remember I bought a truck, 1997. It was in 2000, but I bought a 97 that only had a CD player, and I was not happy because I only still had tape cassettes. So I didn't have any CD players. So I had to buy CDs. And at the time, you couldn't get one less than $20 or $25 a CD. And, and I thought, man, it's going to be so expensive to have four CDs. But they were given away. The very first one, when they transformed, they, when they converted, is they were converting over from the tape over to, because uh, they used to have the wall and sacks, the 77s, the, the reel-to-reel, and, and they went to cassette tape, and they went to CD. He said that what, what they did was they give away the very first one that they put out, and it was 1959, Be Certain of God. And I have worn that sermon out that I can quote it to you. And it reads like this, Elijah the Tishbite, who was in the habit of Gilead, said unto Ahab, said, As the Lord thy God liveth, there shall not be dew nor rain come upon this land. 
not be dew nor rain. And I've been, the Lord's had some things that he's been dealing with me on the last couple of weeks, and I didn't understand. I didn't understand it all until this morning standing in the, in the song service. And even this morning and yesterday and the day before, just the woman, and we're about to read that here out of the word, about the widow's mill barrel that never run dry. God is a provider. God meets all the needs. God meets all the needs. So let me just read that to you right now. 17, verse, verse 7. We'll start right there. Chapter 17, verse 7. And it came to pass, as after a while, that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. And the word of the Lord <coughs> came unto him, saying, came unto the prophet, declaring the word. Hebrews 1, 1 said, the word of God comes, God speaks to his servants, the prophets. The word of the Lord came unto him, saying, let's have been a case of scripture, arise and get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I've commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee, to sustain thee to keep you, to feed you, to take away for you, whatever it is that needs to meet that need while everybody else is starving. So he arose, he doing what God said, and went to Zarephath. When he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there. Check. God said there'd be someone there. God told him, there'd be, I've commanded a widow woman to sustain you. He walks up, and you know how the prophet lays this little drama. He, you know, she's sitting there. She's in the yard gathering sticks, and, and, and he comes walking up, and he said, well, there she is. That, right there. God's right. God's word is true. Right there's the woman. And he sees her gathering sticks, and he, and he walks up to her. So he arose, went to Zarephath. When he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. He called to her and said, fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. A little water. Right away, you've almost presented an impossible task. You've almost presented because there's no water. Right the gate, there is no water. There's a a famine. There's there's no rain. There's been no rain. Everybody's dying because of water. And you have a stranger walk up and say, give me water. And she could just say, we don't really have hardly any water. But, you know, her heart was already in a different mold that morning. She already knew that, that maybe she had a gallon of water, and they wouldn't need but a pint to eat their last meal and die. Because that's what was on her heart that morning, was going to eat her last meal and die. And he said, fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. She turned around and went. He said something, I'm going to go do it. And as she was going to fetch it, that's italicized, it, He called to her and said, bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. In the the element in thine hand. Bring me a morsel of bread in thine hand. Keep that element in your hand. Bring it to me. And she said, and that word's italicized, as. She's not disputing it. She's not fighting against it. She's telling you, as the Lord liveth, as the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake. But a handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son that we may eat it and die. Now, in, um, it, it is, um, my goodness, Numbers 15. It's telling about the, uh, the first part of your dough, the first part of the meal. You, you give to the Lord. You give your offering to the Lord. You give the first of this to the Lord. You always, the Bible teaches, go back and read Numbers chapter 15. You give this to the Lord. The first of your dough. The scripture says the first of your dough. And you're saying, telling you, dough, who cares about dough? But he said the first, put God first in everything that you do. Now, looking at this, this, this entire scenario the last few days, there was, it, it, the woman knew where she was at. She, she's not disputing, no different than Peter sitting in the boat 
kicked with waves. I, I'm in a raging sea. I, I, I can't step out in the water. I can't do this. I can't stand on the water. But if that's you, Lord, if that's you, bid me to come unto thee. And you have her saying, I'll admit to you, I believe God's real. I believe he's real. And I'm going to give you my last little bit of water. We're going to eat this meal and die. <laughs> and he, he tells her, make me one first. Make me one first. Deny yourself. Deny your son to do something for God first. I've had people say over the years, well, my son, my kids, they didn't really want to go to a certain church. And they would probably be about moving over here and for school, for college. And maybe that's better for them. No, your job as a parent is to say, God comes first. We were talking about this, um, it was a Wednesday night after church, about the different revivals that been happening around. And, and Brother Matt was telling me about one that it looked like he's in a packed out church that was only young people. Only young people going down to the altar. Only young people. Young kids. Not just young people, but young kids. And I heard something a brother said, I, I think it was... I think it was either Brother Wayne or Brother Ryan the last year or so. He said that if someone, as you a believer, you're believers, right? Amen. You're believers. As a believer sitting in the crowd and you give your heart to God and you're filled with the Holy Ghost and you're loving the Lord and you're praying for your brother and sister and you see someone step out and come up for prayer, that you need to step out and go up here with them. I'm here to join my faith with you. You're not alone in this fight. I'm fighting the same enemy right here beside you. I won't let him take you down. I'm right here beside you. That has struck me in such a way because it's so easy. Oh, most times the, the person up here is thinking, well, everybody's back here sneering their nose at me. Oh, you're trying to do it again, huh? You're trying to go again and, and you're trying to do this again and try to do that again. No, no, no. And you go up and, and say, Lord, I need help. I need, I've heard people say, yeah, well, how many times I go up? As many times as it takes. And I don't let Satan beat you up with that. Go as many times as it takes. Ain't nobody up here keeping a counter. Ain't nobody saying you done been five times. Don't go again. You got a need. Get up and come get it. The scripture declares it. I'm not saying that it's me. I'm not saying that it's man. The scripture declares it, that they will lay hands on the sick and thank you. Because the word declares it. Not because it's my hands. It's because his word declares it. Not because something I did. It's his word declares it. Nothing else matters. Absolutely nothing else matters. And it will be able to step up and say, I will give it to you. I'll take the last little bit of food that we had our hearts set on to eat it and die, and I'll give it to you. You think about the heart, the character of that believer. She wasn't thinking like, you got Ananias and Sapphira. Well, we only give just a We give you everything, Lord. See, God never required them to give them everything. You won't find it in the book of Acts. You, if you sell a land for $1,000, you give $1,000. He never requires that. He never said to require that. There's no dictation in there that if you do this, you must give 100%. It doesn't dictate that anywhere. They were trying to boast themselves up. They had a religious spirit on them. They had a spirit of pride, which is a demon out of hell. A spirit of pride is a lying spirit. It's a demon out of hell, and it's got to die because it's an offense to the Holy Ghost. That spirit of pride, that demon, that religious spirit that was on them said, we give all. Peter said, you should not have said that. Because you're not lying to me. You're lying to the Holy Ghost. You would have thought that man would have said, forgive me. I, I Forgive me. I made a mistake. Forgive me. Forgive me. Did you sell it for that or not? Oh, no, I sold it for that. He drops dead. They carry his body out. The wife, Sapphira, comes in. She's sitting there, and Peter said, did you sell the land for thus and thus or not? And she, Oh, yes, that's exactly what Ananias told you. That's exactly what we sold it for. I can imagine Peter going, you'll hear right now in your ears the footsteps of the men coming back from bearing your heart. will carry your body out too. You don't lie to the Holy Ghost. 
You don't lie the Holy Ghost. See, the problem with this, the different simplest parts of the scripture you have here in the book of Hebrews, he that comes to God must believe that he is God, that he is. If you come to him, you must believe that he is. And we're not talking about just some deity. Oh, I've got five minutes. I'll throw him some worship today. Nothing like that. No, you know him. 25, 25 days a week, eight days, a, uh, 25 hours a day, eight days, whatever hurts, whatever it says, but, but you know, constantly, constant. I'm laying before him constantly. I'm praying to him, speaking to him constantly. Nothing else matters. I'm not saying you can have this and all this. No, I believe that he does everything he says he does. Right. I'm not coming to God and saying, man, he's kind of, this bit makes him been hyped up. No, they didn't tell you enough. The Bible says the half ain't been told. The rainbow, when you look at it and you only see half of it, you realize the half ain't been told because it's always a perfect circle. When you find him in Revelations 4, you see the full circle. You see the full fulfillment of the word of God and the glory of his firmament. The full firmament. She said, call to her and said, bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, as the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I'm gathering two sticks that I may go in, dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. Now, this woman has a very real, very, uh, not just her need, but it's for her family as well. Not just her need, but it's for her family as well. She's going to do this all that she knows, and she's going to do all that she knows for her family as well. But God in his mercy, don't let you stay in ignorance. See, God sent a prophet. God sent a prophet. That's the beauty of our day. God no longer winks at ignorance. When he come up off the throne, it was no longer to say, yeah, whatever everybody else taught you before, that's fine. No, he said, you come back to the real word. You come back to exactly what it says. You can't say, but my church taught, or the Nicene council taught, or the council of, the, uh, uh, whatever the other one was, uh, not Versailles, but whatever they teach. No, no, it's exactly word for word what he says. And he's not going to be saying, well, you know, somebody else taught me something else. No, it's what this says. And it don't fight, it don't contradict, it don't argue. You won't find the words saying, well, he says that here, but he meant something over here. Or this guy said this, and this guy backslid. No, no, it always lines up backwards and forwards. And it's not just something on the New Testament. It can be proven all the way back to Genesis and run you all the way up to Malachi. So when I tell you right now that this woman stands in a very real need for her family, that God sent a prophet. You agree? You're you're reading the same scripture item. It's on two screens behind me. God sent a prophet. First use of that Elijah spirit, God sent a prophet. And he stand there and she said, we're going to eat this and die. And the prophet told her, make it for me first. And she had to come to her, will I die to myself to do something for God? Or will I do this and I'll die to myself and just die in myself? Not dying because you're going to either be a reproach for Christ or reproach to Christ. No, I'm a Christian. No, you got a religious lying spirit on you. And you're a reproach to Christ. People look at you, that's a Christian? No thanks. I want no part. That's a message believer? No thanks. I don't want no part. I don't heard that too much. I, you tell me that guy right there is a Christian? No thanks. I don't want no part of that. Don't want no part of that. Your approach to Christ. You're supposed to be a reproach for the cause of Christ, not vice versa. I'll read this to you again. <laughs> Verse 12. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, listen to this testimony. As he lives, not dead, not dead. Faded out, not retired, not give up. I've not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil in a cruise. Meal and an oil. 
And behold, I'm gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son that will eat it and will die. So you know how her day's working out. You know how it's going to end for her that day. But again, God sent a prophet. God sent a prophet. Here's what the prophet says. Elijah said unto her, fear not. You can look through the Bible and 366 different ways you can see where it says fear not. That's one for every day plus one. Fear not. And any ministering spirit or ministering angel is going to echo the word of God. Fear not. You know she's scared. She's about to die. There's no, well, you know, I got time. I got several years left. No, no, you're about to die. She knows she's about to die. And Elijah said unto her, fear not. Go and do. That's the title. Of and do. is The emphasis. Go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first and bring it unto me. And after make for thee and for thy son. So you're telling me to take all that I've got and make it for you. But he didn't tell her that. He didn't say take everything. He said, make me a little cake first. Just give me a little bit. Just give me a little bit. God doesn't require you to say, oh, here's all this. Because God has, God has commandments. God has statutes. God has ways that this universe runs. And it's something that you'll, you'll get into. You'll understand about the, why the law was given. In the Old Testament, the law was given. That law wasn't given just to say that well, we have a book of do's and don'ts. You were given a way the universe works. A order of things. And it was a law and a commandment of the, you listen to me now, the way the universe works. And there's so many other parts of the scripture, which is a law of the way the universe works. We were talking about this other night about the law of tithe and offering. Everybody got your back up on me? Everybody you're against me now because I said the word tithe and offering? What Satan will tell you to do, God don't need that. God don't need your money. God don't need you. I don't need your money. God don't need your money. But Satan's very happy keeping it. But when you can say, God, in everything I do, I'll put you first. Amen. Amen. So and we were talking about this other night about I, I've heard too many testimonies over the years that I did only had, you know, back when people were poor, bringing in $200 a week. And I've got to give $20 in tithes. But I owe $250 in bills, not counting groceries. And they would take their $20 and give it in tithes, pay all their bills and have money for groceries. No, yeah, you're just, no, that don't work like that. No, universal constant. God said you do this. Now watch me work. Watch me work. Well, I ain't got no paycheck left. No, you got a lying spirit on you. That's a lie that comes against the word. It's that simple. You, it's a lie that comes against the word. Because the word, the, the spirit of God always says, I don't care if you got a paycheck or not. The word says this. He said he'll pour you out a blessing. You won't have room enough to receive it. We got to build a bigger barn. It's, it's nothing but the truth. It's just nothing but the truth. And it's just a universal constant. I've heard over the years of men that weren't really believers, that were businessmen, that were millionaires, that weren't really believers, didn't go to church very much, and I thought, but they knew, they'd heard about that, and they've been proving it in their life. They give 10%. They give their 5% offering, and they are still very, very wealthy. I don't know how that works, but it, God set it up that way, and it's effective. So you can see why Satan would beat you off that promise. I got one right over that one. You can see why Satan would beat you off that promise. He beats you off of it. Tell you that guy's just after your money. You know I don't want your money. You know me well enough. I don't care where you give it. Just give it. 
There's a good church here in Wichita. Go pay your tithes there. Give your tithes somewhere. I can tell you other good places. Go pay your tithes and offering there. If you want to still come in, I'm okay with that. Just give it. Don't be sitting here as a God robber because God won't do nothing for you. So in that constant of universal law, God sets it like this, that this is the way this works. You find the scripture about honor thy father and thy mother and thy days upon the earth will be long. Right there you find a universal constant. That, but they don't deserve honor. Right? And nobody, there ain't no cause in there for that. There's a lot of parents that don't deserve any honor. That were nothing but a reproach and a hindrance to their children. But more of a stumbling block in the way of their children than anybody else from a parent. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't give you a stipulation that well, my parents were this. No, he's looking at you. Did you honor them? Did you honor them? And you'll watch, if you're saying that the law of God, that if I honor my father and my mother, that my days upon the earth will be long. How they connect it, it doesn't matter. It's what he said. Right. It doesn't matter. I don't see a way to live to be 100 in that verse. No, no, it, it don't give me a, the best way to eat right, the best way to do this, not to walk out in front of a car. Not walk, I live in a war-torn country. People are shooting all the time, but we don't live in you know, America's not. But, but you got you know, kids going to school. you got kids going to an elementary school getting shot up. What if that child had given honor to their mother and dad? Wouldn't have been shot up because the word is true. Like days upon the earth shall be long. Is the scripture true or not? It's true. I heard a, there's a, uh, there's a little clip of Ronald Reagan. It was back in, I'm guessing, 82, 83, that, that he had proposed to reinstitute prayer in schools. And this one kid at a school, a teenage kid, I think it was, was, was asking him that, um, but you know, with all of the, the religious whatever in America, that we got all these different religions, all these different theists, all these different gods, all these different things like that. How could you be so you know, non-inclusive to say that you'll know, institute prayer in school? And he said, well, I'll answer it like this right here. He said, what? He said, we just had a few days ago, somebody was uh, an explosion or attack or something like that. I don't remember exactly the, the, whatever it was at the time. He said, every, every uh, state house, every government, every place there is was able to bow their head and ask God for mercy. He said, but you sitting in school have no right to do that. He said, I'm not saying pray to uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, just take your time and have prayer. He said, they even took the basic uh, of prayer out of that right there. Now, that's, that's fairly interesting. Fairly interesting. He said, you're going to eat and die. Eat. You're going to eat it and die. He said, go and do as thou hast said, but make me there of a little cake first and bring it unto me. And after make for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste. No wasting it. You, ever, you sisters ever made anything before you didn't waste something? Waste something. Well, I had some little spill over. But he said, you won't even waste it. Neither shall the cruise of oil fail. The cruise of oil fail. You find a type of the Holy Ghost right there. Amen. That oil, that, that given, that, that oil that, that you find the five virgins, the five wise, the five foolish, that when the Holy Ghost come, when the, when the, when the king come, that they said that we don't have enough oil for us. We're going to burn out. Our oil is run out. Can we get some from you? And they said, we don't have any to spare. You got to go get it from the ones that give it. You got to go to the Holy Ghost to get the oil. They're like, well, I guess we'll go seek the Holy Ghost now. Somebody had taught them wrong how to get the Holy Ghost. Somebody had taught them wrong how to get the Holy Ghost. So when it was time that you needed the oil, you didn't have a way to get it. The time was passed. It was done. The cruise of oil fell until the day that, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah. And she 
and he and her house did eat many days. And she and he and her house did eat many days. Now, every scripture has a compound meeting and a compound revelation. Anybody testify with that? You agree with that? Well, I always thought this said this, and as I got close to the Lord, I thought it didn't just mean that. It also meant a lot more than I first thought. And that's where so many people said, you know, that, you, I just took that and stopped. I just, I just, that's right there. So that's what, you know, the Lutherans did. The just shall live by faith. We'll just take that right there and stop. God is always moving. God is always moving. God's purpose that he wants to reveal himself unto you. I'm not doubting, Lord. I believe you. He said, she went and did according to the saying of Elijah. And she and he and her house did eat many days. Isaiah talks about a famine coming upon the land. Isaiah said there's going to be a famine, not for food and drink, but for hearing of the word. Not for food and drink, but a hearing of the word. It's not that the word has been taken away. It's that others won't preach it. Well, if I say this, it'll offend them. If I say this, it'll offend them. If I say this, it'll offend them. They won't come back. Sometimes the word cuts. I'm talking about the word. I'm not talking about the person. See, again, you get a wrong spirit on someone, they'll use it to hit somebody with the word. You're not, you, that's where Moses failed. He came down off the rock. Moses got frustrated. He took those commandments and he broke them. He hit them with the word. He got in his flesh. He got frustrated. Not it wasn't meant that it was an honorable thing that he's looking at. Yes, they done made a golden calf. I done walked away five minutes and you're down here making idols unto some bail, some nonsense thing. But you can't let the word do it because the word corrects all the errors. She went and did according to the saying of Elijah. What happened if she wouldn't have done that? I don't really believe that was a prophet. I don't really believe that's what God had for me today. It can't be that simple. God's always that simple. He's always that simple. Uh, Sister Erica was sharing this the other day about you get to see a, a caterpillar turn into a butterfly. Two completely opposite ends of the spectrum as far as not so beautiful to so beautiful. And that's no different than your change. Amen. And it truly is that simple. It, it is just that simple. And it's not nothing that, that caterpillar said one day, so I'm going to be a butterfly. No, the creator had willed it and had deemed it, so this is what it's going to be. And you walking along in your walk with the Lord, you're doing everything you can. I've surrendered all my life to him. And he said he'll do that. It, it is that simple. She went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat many days. Now, there was a, a prophecy given uh, there about Brother Branham in one of the times of his ministry. I think it was Junior Jackson that had seen that, that, that he said it was somewhere, I think it was out west, I don't want to mix it up, and that Brother Branham come along, he said he's there to watch, and he took a crowbar and rips the top off of a mountain. And he said when they looked inside the mountain, it was full of heavenly manna, golden manna. And Brother Branham told him, he said, eat on these things, eat on these things. Feast on these things right here. And it's not nothing that's not here. It's not one thing that's not here. But he told him to do that. Eat on those things. The Elijah of our day, God, like, like I said, his, was allowed to unveil himself in this day and make himself known to you in this day. You all agree? You all understand the same? Okay. And you find that just even all these years ago in the simplest form of live or die, the simplest form of live or die. She, he said, if you'll do what I say, you'll live. If you don't do what I say, you'll die. What if she'd have stepped back and said, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? That's not the way my so-and-so, so-and-so, anybody else ever told me. That's not correct. 
She said, she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat many days. Eat many days. And guess what happened? Does God keep his word? If God speaks something, God will bring it to pass. Do you really believe that this morning? That if God says something, he'll bring it to pass. The barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the crucible fail according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. By Elijah. And it came to pass. I'm going to give you one more short story while we're in this right here. It came to pass after these things <clears throat> that the son of the woman, the mistress of the, house, the mistress of the house fell sick, and his sickness was so sore that there was no breath left in him. The boy died. The boy died. So and I want you to just really strain on this so you understand that, that she's about to starve to death, and the prophet shows up. She believes the prophet, and, 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 and God does a miraculous creative work in her life, in her midst. You've all read, we've read it many times to you, what God just did. Now, as time goes on, because you keep living, God does something for you here. You're healed of this today. You keep living, you might hurt again. You're healed of this today, something else might happen. You're healed of this today, something else. But God is still God. God still keeps his word. So look at this as a type of your own life. It came to pass after these things that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, mistress of the house, fell sick and uh, and his sickness was so sore there was no breath left in him. She said unto Elijah, what have I to do with thee? Now she's blaming Elijah. She's blaming him. What have I to do with thee, O thou man of God? Art thou come unto me to call my sin to remembrance and to slay my son? And he said unto her, give me thy son. And you, you think about inflection. You think about the way she said that. Do you think she said, oh, thou man of God, with a joyful, uh, a faithful response, or she said it a little bit sneering? So how do you think Elijah responded? Did he spit back? He said unto her, give me thy son. He took him out of her bosom, carried him up into a loft where he abode, laid him upon his own bed. Now, it's up there. You can read that. Can you see Revelation chapter 4 in that verse right there? I was dead in my sin and trespasses. We quote to you on Wednesday night, Ephesians 2 and 1, and you hath he quickened. And you hath he quickened. Revelations 4, John said, after all these things, I beheld and a door in heaven opened. I beheld a door in heaven was opened. That he took the boy and he took him from her and he put him up into a loft. Took him from her, put him up into a loft, took him up higher where he abode. Up higher where he abode and laid him upon his own bed. Can you see it? Laid him upon his own bed. And he cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord, my God, hast thou also brought evil upon the widow with whom I sojourn by slaying her son? He stretched himself upon the child three times and cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord, my God, I pray thee, let this child's soul come into him again. And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah. The voice of Elijah. Malachi chapter 4, verse 5. That I will send unto you Elijah before the coming of the day of the Lord. Revelations 10, verse 7. In the days of the voice of the seventh angel. He said he heard the voice of Elijah. Why would it be a point to make such a denotion to that? You know what? While you're writing this down, make sure you heard that. You know, make, he's telling you know, whoever wrote down this part of Kings, make sure you tell them that I heard Elijah's voice. And they're like, well, that's kind of boastful. But Elijah's not saying it. God said it. I heard him. He spoke. I heard him. 
And the soul of the child came into him again, and he revived. Now, wait just a minute. How do your sons cast out demons? How do your sons cast out demons? How do your sons raise the dead? How do your sons heal the, de- the sick? And if they'd be honest, they'd say, they don't. They don't. If they're honest, they say they don't. How does your church do it? We don't. You ever been healed in that other church? Not one time. You ever been healed your whole life is that? Not one time. Now something's different. What's different? Something's different. You think about Joshua's response, and I shared that here with you recently. He was given a, a, a commission to go in and take the land. You find that in the book of Numbers as well, that Moses is about to die, and God tells him, he said, that's the one right there. God puts that life, that authority into Joshua, and he said, you do this, you do this. He said, and now I'll hear his words. I'll hear Joshua's voice. Joshua will command to go out and to come in before the people. And now he goes out. He's having victory after victory after victory, and now you have one failure. Joshua stops everything. What's wrong? I've not been promised failure. I've only ever been promised victory. Only ever been promised victory. So why do we have a failure now? Something's wrong. And so many people that believe so many other things, if you would just stop, the word doesn't say it like that. The word says that I'll always have victory. The word says that my God's a healer. The word says that my God sets the captives free. My God says he restores and he is still God. He's still alive doing the same things. So if that's not what's happening, stop, 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 stop. Something's wrong. How do we get back to over there? The Lord heard the voice of Elijah. The soul of the child come into him again and revived. Elijah took the child, brought him down out of the chamber, into the house, and delivered him unto his mother. And Elijah said, see, see, taste and see that the Lord is good. See it. Don't, well, your son's been raised back to dead, but I had to mail him off to another country. I had to send him off somewhere else. You'll never see him. I'm just going to tell you that he's alive. No, no, no. Come here. Come here. You done told me a few days ago that you serve a living God, and I got proof of it right now because God always backs up his word. Same God then, same God this morning. Same God then, same God this morning. It will resurrect you out of whatever junk you're sitting in right now. Same God right now. <laughs> Delivered him unto his mother, and Elijah said, See, thy son liveth. And the woman said to Elijah, the prophet, Now, by this I know that thou art a man of God and that the word of the Lord in thy mouth is truth. The word of the Lord in thy mouth is truth. So I'm going to bring this up a little bit more current. Not super current, 50 years ago. What was the purpose of all those people being healed? The purpose for all of those lives being changed, all of those people's walks with the Lord getting closer. What was the purpose for that? What was the purpose for the boy in Finland being raised from the dead? What was the, pulp, the purpose of uh, Florence Nightingale Sherlaw being, being transformed from something you could put your fingers around her hips to back being healed in a few months and be able to go back to work? What's the purpose of something like that? What's the purpose of goiters falling off the neck? What's the purpose The purpose of blind eyes being restored, of limbs growing? What's the purpose? It wasn't just to say that God was, would do these things. God's word declares this. It's the only thing that's true. So what is the purpose of it? It was to catch the attention to now you know the words that he's speaking is God's words. Amen. They said that about the Lord Jesus. No man can do these things but God. No man can do these things but God. So again, if I, by the power of the finger of God, cast out demons, how do your children do it? How do your sons do it? 
It's a pretty good, honest question. It's honest. It's an honest question. If you can't take this Bible and surrender your life to it, your heart, your soul, everything that's within you, all, everything of you, Surrender all that there is of you to where there's not even a breath that doesn't come through this scripture. All your heartbeat, all of your being come through that word and then you step by and God doesn't vindicate that that's what you just did. Then you didn't really do it because God backs up his word. This isn't, this isn't nothing new. I'm not trying to, uh, well, you know, God ain't done nothing the last 2,000 years. I guess that's all just the Bible days. No, no, the Bible days are here right now. The Bible days are here right now. It's said over and over and over that the book of Acts is the only one that was never given a benediction. It was never giving a the end. I'm looking at the book of Acts. I'm looking at the book of Acts, the continuation of the book of Acts, the testimonies that's been done in this little assembly and many others like it all across this planet. The book of Acts is here again. And all it is, is just writing down the things they see God do. Okay, God did that, praise the Lord. God did that, praise the Lord. It ain't you, it ain't me, it's God doing it. It's God keeping his word. Why? Because you believed it. See, that's where power comes from, is if you believe it. See, this woman, she just saw God create you imagine, you know, you couldn't have tricked her right before her son, right when her son died and say, you know, God didn't really make that meal barrel. You'll keep coming back up every day. God didn't really do that for you. No, no. Yeah, my son's dead. But I've, every time I'd scrape in and I'd say, be nothing left. I'd scrape it out. There'd be nothing left. And there'd still be more. It'd come back. I'd scrape it out and there'd be more. I'd scrape it out. And there'd be, no, that didn't really happen. I saw it happen. I saw it. I saw it every single time, every single time, every single time. Well, now your son's dead. She should have had the same response was, I'm just going to take him back. I, I know how to get help. I know where to get. I know when to come with my help. It's in the word of God. It's in the word of God. The word says this. And God vindicates his word. God's word is alive. God's word is very current. And God's word is very, very present. I know we're getting, getting late. Turn over to me, Numbers chapter 28. I wanted to, to read this to you. <coughs> Numbers chapter 28, verse 3. Yeah. He's been given these, the, you know, the Lord is, is breaking out what this is for and what this is for and what this is for. And, and as we run through this, I don't want this to, you know, you, I know it's kind of warm in here and I know it's already getting close to maybe quitting time and, and I know it's easy to lose your attention and easy to get focused, especially if not maybe seeming like I'm talking about something very exciting or something very dynamic. But all of God's word is dynamic. And if you keep that in mind, as you read through even the, what you would consider the most dullest parts, you realize there's nothing dull about God. Every part is dynamic. And I, I'll share this with you. I heard a brother say uh, a, a few months ago, he was talking about where God come up to, had Moses go down to the children of Israel. And he walked in there and God told, you know, through Moses, let my people go. And Pharaoh said, you know, I'm going to do it. And then the next thing you do, you find God, you know, all of a sudden you got God, he's, he's just spitting out um, genealogies. Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to this one, to this one, to this one. And he said, you step back and thought, that's kind of strange. That's kind of strange that, you know, this man just told you no, and now you're going to say, well, you know, his dad was him, his son was, his one son. He said, no, he was proven who owned him. You might think you have a say. You don't have a say. You don't have a say. Verse 3, thou shalt say unto them, this is the offering made by fire. What did John say? There'll be one that comes after me that will not just baptize, 
but he'll baptize with fire, with the Holy Ghost and with fire. He said that thou shalt say unto them, this is the offering made by fire, which you shall offer unto the Lord. You've got to offer it unto the Lord. Two lambs of the first year without spot, day by day for a continual burnt offering. Continual. You've got to stay on fire. You've got to sacrifice anything in your life to stay on fire. You know that, that in Alaska, in cold parts of the world, we've heard stories of people that they, they had a huge stockpile of wood, but it was such a long winter that they got to where they were tearing their staircases out of their house, tearing the doors out, everything inside the house just to keep burning, sacrificing whatever it took to keep burning so they wouldn't freeze to death. That's interesting, isn't it? I don't have to have that staircase. I don't have to have a door. I'll tear it out and I'll keep this fire burning. He said, you sacrifice it. Well, that was a good staircase. It was so intricate and so perfectly hand-dialed. No, it's got to come out. I got to stay burning. Anything to stay burning. Anything to stay burning. He said that thou shalt say unto them, this is the offering made by fire, which you shall offer unto the Lord two lambs the first year without spot day by day for a continual burnt offering. Well, no, I mean, I can... I can be in one day, out another day, up, down, down, up, down. No, continual. The one lamb shalt thou offer in the morning, and the other lamb shalt thou offer at evening. A tenth part of the ephah of flour or ephah of flour for a meat offering, meat offering mingled with the fourth part of an hen of beaten oil. A fourth part. Part, you're, y'all reading that? A tenth part of ephah and a fourth part of hen. You know what the word four means? Four, <laughs> when you're dealing with mathematics, you have what three means, what seven means, what eight means, and all the different numbers of God. Four is an earthly number. It means deliverance. It means deliverance. Four means deliverance. You have a tenth part of an ephah of flour for a meal offering, mingled with the fourth part, mingled with the fourth part, Delivered, restored, redeemed, changed of a hen of beaten oil. Beaten oil. Don't have time to get in that. It's a continual burnt offering which was ordained in Mount Sinai for a sweet Savior. Wait a minute. I thought all they was doing up here was burning things. That's all we see is the smoke. We see the fire. He comes down with tablets. You mean that was done up there? Yes, it was always in the plan of God. It was always in the mind of God for you. It was a continual burnt offering which was ordained in Mount Sinai for a sweet savor. A sacrifice made fire unto the Lord. And I'll pause right there just a minute. Offering a, a, your worship, what you offer in worship is a sacrifice. You're, it's a sacrifice. So, and you think about all the things that makes your sacrifice not very good. If we were to come up today and we were to say that, you know, we don't have the tradition of that, what you must do is bring forth your very best, uh, go back to the Old Testament, your very best lamb, unspotted, and you've got to keep it. You've got to let it be born. You've got to protect it. You've got to nourish it. You've got to feed it. You've got to water it. You've got to shelter it. All those things to make sure your sacrifice is intact. Because if you show up at the temple with a mark on your sacrifice, you won't be accepted. Matter of fact, the Lord goes so far to say that it becomes a stench in my nostrils. Stench. Your sacrifice is a stench in my nostrils. 
So the sweet smelling savior, you take your worship. I'm not going to be distracted. I'm not going to let anybody else around me stop what's about to happen. I'm going to worship him with such a reckless abandon that you're going to tell me like Paul, you're a heretic. Oh, praise God. I worship him like a heretic. I'll give him all of me. And you think that I'm a crazy person. Let it be. I'm holding nothing back from him. And the Lord Jesus said, that's a sweet smell and savor. And he said, I love it. I love it. And we come in here so many times and, well, I just, victory is mine. Did my phone just ding? Did my, what was I getting for lunch tomorrow? Victory? No, completely lost. I heard that phrase recently about perfecting praise, and I can't get that out of my mind either, about perfecting praise. And it's not about, well, you've got to get the best piano player, the best, all these things must iron down. No, no, no. Those things, those, those fall in line when this right here lines up. And once this line, this all is just perfectly lined up, and there's, there's nothing there, that right there will sound like no one ever made it before. That will sound like no, that will sound like no. And this, uh, it will just be perfectly in harmony, like I read to you the first part of the service, perfectly in harmony. But perfected praise, perfected praise, to worship him with a reckless abandon, to worship him with all this with him. No, it's too simple. What do you think he wants? He wants you. And he wants no doubt in you. Well, I mean, I'll... I'll give him so much. You know, apparently this is a bad thing in certain churches. I had a, a Baptist friend of mine ask me years ago, are you a hand-raising church? I'm like, I never heard that before, ever in my whole life. I didn't know. It might as well smack me because I didn't know what he meant by that. I'm like, well, yeah. Then he starts telling me about the Tim Hawkins joke about the, you know, the, t- the TV and the, and the you, know, uh, you know, so big, big screen. And I thought, are you kidding me? And he was making fun of it. David said, I'll lift my hands as an evening offering unto the Lord. I'll lift my hands and I'll worship him with all that's within me. This is a sign of surrender. I'm not surrendering to you. I'm surrendering to him. I give him all of me. I ain't holding nothing back. You're just a weirdo back here. Yeah, call me what you want. I'll be a fool for Christ. Call me what you want. I don't care. But to perfect that praise, not just in the expression here, but in your expression of your heart as you're singing those words. Sometimes the words come across the screen and I sit there and bawl. He did that for me. I used to be that, but now I'm this. And that's what he did for me. It ain't just for the other people in the room. That's for me. He did that for me. Changes how you worship. And this is just your part of it. This is your side. This is just your expression. He sits back and he enjoys it. There's no stink in that. He said, I love that smell. There's no death in that. You realize that the stink, the stench is death. If it's not alive, it's dead. And if your praise isn't alive, then it's dead. I just only believe. It's dead. Now, and I say it like that because I do know that we have certain things that have to be sacrificed in here. We have Brother Matt runs a songboard, soundboard. Charity runs a songbook. And there's a lot of things that they have to sacrifice, be able to completely, with complete reckless abandon. Because you see me, I'm like this. I don't know if I'm still in the room or not. But they have to be ready to turn the next song up, to put the next song up. They have to make sure that if someone else comes up to turn the volume up, that's a sacrifice they're doing. Bethany and Joseph and Levi, that's a part of a sacrifice. That is a part of their gift that they have to do. They express that and they, they, they experience fulfillment in that. But it's not the same as standing in the pew and you don't even know if you're here or not. 
You don't even know if you're here or not. Am I floating up next to the ceiling? I'm probably floating up next to the ceiling. I've had that happen before. I thought that if I open my eyes, I'm going to be floating up next to the ceiling. I thought before that I should probably hold the pew so I don't float up next to the ceiling. That's the kind of worship service I want. Just be wrung out. I just want to be wrung out. I don't want to go back out the same junk I'll come in with. I want to be wrung out. I said that to you last service. I want to be a new lump. I want to be a new lump. Complete new lump. <laughs> Continuum, verse 6. <clears throat> Continual burnt offering, which was ordained in Mount Sinai for a sweet Savior, a sacrifice made by fire unto the Lord. And the drink offering thereof shall be the fourth part of an hen. For the one lamb in the holy place shalt thou cause the strong wine to be poured unto the Lord. Wait, now we're talking about wine. We went from oil to wine. What is the wine always typed in the scripture? It's Revelation. Wine is revelation in the scripture. It's typed as a revelation. Well, no, I don't, you know, who's that said that? He said, I don't accept revelation. He said, and God can never deal with you. Because God speaks to his people. God's voice is the one we long to hear. God speaks to his people. He said that it's come forth as a strong wine. Strong wine. Now, I don't, you know how I feel about words and what words mean. He's not talking about some fruit cocktail. He's not talking about something watered down. The meat revelation of the word is deeper and available now than ever before. So you can easily step back and say what's available in our day is the strongest wine ever been given. Now, in a natural palate, um, different people, they have to work themselves up to, uh, you know, I started out sipping a little grape juice and I've slowly worked better and worked better until I can drink in a natural, you know, alcoholics and drinkers, guys like that. And to fall nightly now, I can just drink and drink and drink. Don't bother me whatsoever. But the first time you ever try to, you know, slam some other, you know, good, good wine, whatever it might be, it might make you sick. It might do all these different things to you. That's why it's not a poof theory. It's a here a little, there a little. Here's a little more. You leave. I'll take that and I'll take more. I'll take that and I'll take more. I'll take that. I'll take more. I won't just say the just shall live by faith. I won't just say that. I'll say whatever God says. God also says this. God also says this. And it's working. It's working. It's working. It's moving. I can feel it moving. I can feel the chains coming off. It's moving. And the drink offering, the drink offering poured out a strong wine. Verse 8, and the other lamb shall thou offer it even. As the meat offering of the morning, and as a drink offering thereof, thou shalt offer it a sacrifice made by fire, sacrifice made by fire, a sweet savor unto the Lord. A sweet savor unto the Lord. And on the Sabbath day, two lambs of the first year without spot, two tenth deals of flour for a meat offering, mingled with oil, and the drink offering thereof. Drink offering thereof. Now you're putting the meat, the two tents, the, the oil, and the drink offering thereof together. God can only be worshipped in spirit and in truth. He can only, now so many people say, yeah, that's right, I believe that, that's right, but, but then they try to worship him in uh, things of another day. For example, uh, if you would have had uh, Moses standing there saying, you know, don't worry people, we're at the Red Sea, what we're going to do is we're going to build us an ark and we'll float right across this thing. That's okay. Get cutting. Get sawing. Get hammering. They'd have been like, "That's what Noah did. That was Noah's day." God promised He wouldn't destroy the world by water anymore. The next time it'd be by fire. They would have stepped back. They would have examined it by the word and said, "That's not what the word says." Moses didn't say that. 
God part of the sea. You step forward into Jesus' day, and if Jesus would start saying, oh, my goodness, wouldn't it be just so great if there would be a man named Elijah that could, if there was some widow, if maybe she was widowed, you know, divorced, single, whatever it might be, and lived in some town called Zarephath near Zidon, and maybe she was hungry that day. What if that could just happen? They're like, that already happened. That already happened. That already happened. That already happened. Because the word of the Lord is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. That's not just, we'll set it right here. No, no, he's moving. Where's he moving to? We say this all the time, that it's moving. Where's he moving you to? I'm examining faces as I say this. Where's he moving you to? He's moving you to a body change. Because when you come to realize who you are, the rapture will go. All spiritual amnesia will have worn off, and the rapture will go. What a mighty God. He said the, the meat offering, the oil, and the drink offering, this is the burnt offering of every Sabbath. This is the burnt offering of every Sabbath beside the continual burnt offering and his drink offering. And I'll stop right there on, on, on that part of the Scripture. And this is where a lot of people don't understand the dispensation. The Bible would say that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, that's when the Lord Jesus came. That law had been given. That law had been given as a, and all that it was used for. But you've got to understand that God is still moving. So that's where you have a lot of your Saturdayians, 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 Saturdarians, Saturdarians is what they call it. Saturdarians, your, your, your Seventh-day Adventists, your Saturdarians, that they believe that you know, the seventh day, you see the seventh day, I see the seventh day, we all see the seventh day, when nobody's disputing when's the seventh day, that's when you take the rest, that's when you go to church. But what changed at the cross? The dispensation of the perfect lamb. You see as we walk through this, that once this is done, and once this is done, once this is done, now the continual offering is put there forever. Not to come back next month, not to come back next year. Someone, something stepped forward and came forward in such a purity and a power that now something must be done to honor and reverence the very act that was done. The very act that was done was put into the Next day. I say it like that because I don't have time to read the scriptures about the seven days, the seven days, the seven days, the Sabbath, the unleavened bread, all those different things for seven days because I'm not preaching you to you right now. I say this all the time out of the books, Revelation chapter 2 or Revelation chapter 3. I'm not preaching to you sitting in the Laodicean church age. I'm preaching to you because the coming of the Lord has happened, that he is here now, that puts you in Revelation chapter 4, that he is here right now. Now, if you understand that and see what it does, different people get confused with many things. Well, I think that probably takes us back to the day of Pentecost. As far as the restoration of the gifts, I'll give you that. The restoration of all the gifts that the book of Corinthians talks about, Corinthians 12, that all those that it talks about is that God has this. They're part of his body. Speaking in tongues, the shouting, all those things are part of the gift of his body. Everybody agrees. Gift of his body. We want the gifts of our husband. Your wife had your husband come home. I'd like to give you these. No, thank you, sir. We don't do those no more. No, you want the gifts of your husband. It's that simple. It's always that simple. So I'm not preaching to you about being turned back to just that. A lot of folks get stuck there. That's well, it's just that. No, no, there's so much more than that. There's so much more than just uh, the blind being uh, healed, the, the limbs being grow back. There's so much more than just dead being raised. So much more than that. 
And that's where, again, the devil, if he can't keep you from a truth, he'll try to push you off on a ditch to one side or the other. But God, and this is um, Leviticus 23, 24, that area, that as he, as what he did in this day, that in those, all those feast days being wrapped up, that on the seventh day, it doesn't just carry over. It's called an eighth day, a holy convocation. But what it does, it takes you all the way back. And I don't just mean back to Adam. I don't just mean back to Genesis 2, Genesis 3. I mean way beyond that. Way beyond that. So the opening of the word, God's purpose, God's, uh, his attribute was never just, just to take you back to Pentecost. Those are foundation things every believer has to have or you are not a believer. Let's just call it cut and dry. If you don't have an experience with God in some manner, those right there, then you're not a believer. God has not vindicated his word because that's anti-scripture. So if that is a foundational, you get into 2 Peter 2, he said, add to your faith this, add to your virtue this, add to your temperance, add to your patience, add to your godliness, add to your brotherly kindness. You see that it's being added to. So you're telling me, Peter, that I got to have this, I got to have this, I got to have this to walk right as a Christian. Exactly. You got to have this to be able to overcome in the most evilest day there's ever been. Otherwise, you will not overcome. Now, in Revelation chapter 2 and Revelation chapter 3, is you have the, the, the bride of each age that peaks in each one of them. He said to him that overcomes in this day, Revelation chapter 2, then you have this day, this next day, Laodicea and Thyatira and Pergamion. I'm bouncing around. As it comes up this day, then that goes to the next one. The promise keeps going the next one. It keeps building up, keeps building up. There's an overcomer out of every age, at least one or two overcomers out of every age, but it's building to a crescendo to where you sit right now. Revelation chapter 4, a door in heaven has opened. Of mercy, of admittance, of ushering in. I saw a little clip of something. It's some uh, Christian movie. I don't know what it's called exactly, but they they did a little portrayal of Jesus at twelve years old talking to the priest, talking to the uh, the, the scribes, this kid, the whatever you know was, and and they were asking him, trying to trick him up on some questions, and and they were asking him, you know, what made the Phoenicians, you know, try to take out, uh, you know, cut off Samson's hair, and just tricking things up like that right there, and and is the boy and the actor Jesus said it wasn't this, it was this, and and they were asking him, they asked him this question, and I never heard this asked before. They asked him, who's in Eden right now, writing down the book of God? They asked him that question, who is in Eden right now? writing down the book and the word of the Lord. And, and I've never heard that question. All my life, I've never heard anybody ask that question. i never heard anybody talk about someone being in Eden now. It, when Adam and Eve was run out, there were two cherubims put there with burning swords, burning swords to, to make sure no one could get the tree of life. Burning swords. Okay, everybody sounds familiar? Everybody remembers that? We quoted to you recently that Balaam was on his donkey going down to work for Balak and an angel of the Lord stood there with a sword and was going to kill him if he come any further and the donkey was trying to save both their lives. So he's telling you that God will use an angel. We quoted that to you Wednesday night about his ministers, his angels, the spirits of God, that he uses them to direct and guide and lead. So if then under the full... Uh, the full um, umbrella and canopy of a complete unbelief you can't get near the tree of life but once a way of unbelief has been removed that you are now ushered into so it went from being again in our day no longer we can get ignorance in our day it's no longer just say well i can say what they said not if it's against the word 
He's not weaking in ignorance anymore. It must be line upon line, here a little, there a little, with stammering lips and other tongues, and how I will preach, to teach, talk to speak to my people, how I'll speak to my people. Line upon line. We quoted that to you in Revelation chapter 22. If you take out of the book, your name will be taken out. If you add the book, all the plagues in the book will be added to you. It's that serious. God don't wink at ignorance no more. But everybody always know, uh, I think it was Brother Charlie Cox. I think it was Brother Charlie Cox. Brother Ram told testimony about that his dad was, um, all of his family was Methodist. And he kept trying to witness the message to his dad. And his dad never could come in. He never would say anything against it, but he could never walk on with the light of the word. And he told his dad, Brother, Brother Ram, he said, that really bothers me. He said, Brother, he said, he said, he's not accountable for this day. He's a part of that day. He's a part of that age. He'll go down and be judged for what was done there. What was the light that was available then? That's a merciful God. That's a merciful God. But if God makes a way, if God makes a way and you're standing there and that way is there, see, you're now accountable. You either get in or you don't. And if you don't, you're spitting in his face. You're sp- no, I'm just telling him I don't really want him. No, no, you're spitting in his face. I'm telling the creator of all there is, I don't want you. Oh, it ain't that simple. It's always that simple. It's always that simple. You're telling him, I don't want you. So he said they're only, uh, uh, they're only accountable for the light of their day. That's mercy. Now, as I've said, we don't live in that day. I'm not preaching to you out of the Wesleyan church age. I'm not preaching out of the Lutheran church age. I'm not preaching out of even Paul's church age. I'm not preaching out of William Brown on the seventh angel messenger, the latest sin church age. I'm preaching out of the eighth day, which like I read that quote to you out of his rising sun. He said, there's coming a message that comes out of dead denominationalism. He said, that turns you back to the very creative word before Genesis 1-1. So in the beginning was the word. We'll quote John to you. In the beginning was the word. And there were parts missing. There were parts misunderstood. There were parts that weren't completely correct, but we went with it. We knew it was against the Scripture. We couldn't quite explain. John don't say that, does it? He said, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. The Word was with God. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Okay, so there's no room for error. There's no room for, well, I didn't know. No, not that kind of a day. Not that kind of a day. You either accept it and go in, or you reject it and you're judged. See, again, Mercy. Uh, once that lamb, see, I believe the Lord is here. I believe the second coming is, pa- is already passed. I believe that's already happened. You can disagree all you want, but I believe it's already happened. So if you just walk with me just a minute, people struggle with this. They do believe the presence. They, don't believe, they think that when the lion come off the seat of intercession, when the mercy seat, when he left the mercy seat, most people believe, I say most, there are those that believe that once that's done, the door is closed and there's no more mercy for anyone else to come in. That's not the way mercy works. They didn't understand that mercy is, once it's been allotted, it can't be removed or taken away. When God said, I give you mercy, and like for me, before I was ever born, for you, you weren't born then either. God granted you mercy. He died for my sins on the cross. He died for your sins on the cross. And you can't say, well, I don't really want it, so it ain't for me. No, you're going to want it. You need it. You got to have it. Again, simple as can be. But once that mercy's been allotted and granted and given, nothing will take it away because he give it. Well, he didn't know that I'd slip up, make a mistake, or I'd struggle with this. Who do you think you're talking about? You think you didn't? No, but again, that's where a lot of folks get into dirty grace. Well, you know, I'm saved, and I'm redeemed, and I can do anything you want. Not like you're thinking. You can do anything in the one as far as the fact goes that your want to has been taken away, and you don't want to do it. But as far as a child of God, you won't get away with it. You'll get beat up. You'll take your whooping. Chastening for the moment might seem grievous. But I thank God for it. It yields a peaceable fruit of righteousness. 
You ever been chastened to anybody? That proves you're a son and daughter of God. You know, there's times that I've made bad mistakes and, and you slip and fall on your face and then you do something and God chastens you for it. And as you're limping away from your whooping, you say, thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. As bad as I am, I know you love me. I know that you, wouldn't, you don't whoop nobody else's kids. Again, it's that simple. It's that simple. <clears throat> Let's go back to Ephesians chapter 2 and we'll try to find a spot to close. Ephesians chapter 2. I don't know how, but he said it. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins. We read this to you Wednesday night. You hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. So open that up just a minute. That I used to be that. He said, yeah, that's what you once were, but you're not that anymore because you've been quickened. You've been made alive in Christ Jesus. You've been seated in heavenly places. So, but before that, I was disobedient. I was these things. I, I did struggle with this, but I don't anymore. That's what you're saying. That's exactly what I'm saying, that you were that. You did walk in that in times past, but you don't walk that way anymore. Among whom, also, we had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh. This isn't always just, you know, sitting around with the guys saying, boy, that girl's pretty. And expound. It's not just that. It's sitting with your wife. It's sitting with other friends. And in your flesh, trying to say something against what God is doing. Lust of the flesh. See, I had a, um, there was a church that was split. I don't know if it actually split. There's a, well, I don't know how you, you can describe it one way or the other. That, that one particular brother wanted this other person to be the pastor. And then it wasn't the one that was actually voted in, that this other person was actually voted in, and that other person left because he wanted to be the, to be the pastor. And I don't know what actually happened. I don't know anything about that. I'm just talking about you. How, how long will you sit halt between two opinions? You know the scripture. How long will you sit halt between two opinions? That I thought this would have been this way, or I thought this would have been this way. When God ordains something, when God is moving something, and I said that earlier about God being the boss, and God being the leader, and God being the one that moves and breathes. If, if God was to strike me dead right now, and God was to take me away from me. I believe, see, I'm just going to make this real plain. I believe God started this. I believe God put this together. I believe this is God's creation. And I kind of think you think the same way. Otherwise, you wouldn't be sitting here. If you don't think that, then why are you sitting here? So if, if the, I'm the one that God's meant to be your pastor, at least for right now, because God could take my breath right now. He could take my breath right now. And if he does so, then blessed be the name of the Lord. If I walk out there and an asteroid drops on me and I smashed or, or, or die, you know, take months to die, I don't care. I know where I'm going. All that's settled. But I have confidence that the God that created this, that built this work, that's, that's ordaining and building and bringing us all this to pass, that he's the one that will bring it to pass, that God will carry it on. So whomever God would replace that to be, whether it be Brother Matt, whether it be someone else, whoever that is, you want the will of God in that order. Now, I love Brother Matthew, and I don't know if it's who God replaced. Well, I mean, it is or it isn't. I, I don't, I'm not trying to put him on the spot, but, but this is where most people struggle. Well, he's been here longer. This guy's been here shorter. Or I like him. I like his hair. I like his car. And you get in the flesh instead of saying, God, whomever that person is. 
Whomever that person is, God, I give all of it to you. I take my want, my thought, my idea. All of I love Matt, or I love the other guy, or maybe the other guy comes in as your brother, your uncle, your, your whatever it might be. But you're saying, I want God's way. I don't want my way. And that's the only way I'm going to pray. And guess what? It's the only way I'm going to talk. Who do you think we should vote in? Who do we think we should vote in? The one that God has. Oh, is our pastor the one? We should vote that pastor out and vote another pastor in. No, no. God does that. God does that. He sets up, he raises down. He sets up, he raises down. You've got to believe that God is. God does all things well. If I need to be set down, God will set me down. I believe that. I believe that. If, if I've just now become a laity member, then whatever it might be, because I, I, I trust him. And I let him lead me however he wants. I will submit whatever God wants. This ain't my church. I, people text me all the time and ask me, what's the name of your church? What's the name of your church? And I'm like, I'm going to text you back. The church I go to is, but it's not my church. You're never going to hear me tell anybody this is my church. This is his church. If this is not his church, I don't want to go here. If it's not his people, I don't want to go here. You're not my people. I love you, and you're part of, we're part of the same body, but you know I mean? I don't belong, you don't belong to me. I do belong to you because we're told to submit each other, ourselves to each other. You have he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sin, where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, <laughs> which means the current or the, the normal way of thinking, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. You go back and look over your life and see where that actually was happening. Verse 3, among whom also we all had in our conversation, had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath even as others. And this is where we hit on Wednesday night, but God. I love that. But God. But God said they're mine, and I'm going to fix the ship. I'm going to right the boat. But God, who is rich in mercy, not was, but who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, he's quickened, he hath quickened us together with Christ by grace you're saved, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, all of us, at least the majority of us, Believe that this is a part of that. So as you run through your checklist, I believe that I am where God wants me. I believe that God has done this for me. As we walk through Ephesians chapter 2, God did this for me. God, I, I admit I was that. I was that. I was that. So now we're going to say, yes, okay. He's raised us up. He's raised us up together. Revelation chapter 4 made us sit together in heavenly places. He's raised you up and made you sit in heavenly places. Now verse 7 is right now where you're sitting at. What's the will of God for my life? What's the purpose? What's his expression? What's his attribute? That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. That he might show it. He might show it through you and in you. For by grace you're saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. Well, I guess I gotta I gotta meet up to this. I gotta struggle up to this. I gotta you know push that out. No, it's a gift. Uh, Brother Ram always used that little statement was if somebody um, uh, if I was to give someone a million dollars, if I hear it, give you a million dollars. If I was to give Sister Penny, give you a million dollars. She's okay. For what I'll do is I'll come up here and I'll straighten your tire up. Your tire's crooked. So now you've done something. He said then you've just exchanged a labor for that. So it's not a gift anymore. 
a free gift. He said, I give this to you. And we talk about that covenant that was, that was guaranteed by himself. He said, I will do this, and you'll be the recipient of it. And your enemy comes along and tells you, you're not going to make it. 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 And you can tell him, you're still a lion. You're still a lion. Because he said, I would. He's made me. He quickened me. Let's have the musicians come. We are his workmanships. Verse 9, not of works, lest any man should boast. You have no right to ever boast. For we're his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, under good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Now we're back to ordained. He ordained the worship. He ordained the way you walk. He ordained the way you believe. You didn't become sons. You always were sons. Let's all stand on our feet this morning. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus under good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. And we said this Wednesday night that, that the sun was ordained to shine. The moon was ordained to glow. Dirt was made to grow things in it. Grass was made to grow. Air was made to be breathed. Wind was made to blow. All these things that God ordained to God's will. And yet we step back and struggle. Will I be that? Will I be that? Walk outside and feel the wind on your face. And again, it's that simple. He will bring it to pass. He will.
presence in this room today, Lord God. How good you are to your people. We could have just been a, a, a group of men and women that showed up into this just an ordinary room and nothing would have happened and we'd have just went home. And, but Lord, you're here. We can each one testify of that today, Lord God, and we're different because of it. We thank you, Lord, for always confirming your word. We appreciate, Lord, that you take such pride and care and uh, intentness to your word, Lord, how you, you got eyes watching this entire planet looking for someone to believe your word, and then what it does for someone to believe it, how that it'll put it into action, and you start to taste the fruit and smell the smell of the savor of, of a heart that believes, Lord, with no doubt mixed in it. How we appreciate you today, Lord, how great you are, merciful people. sanctuary. Lord, that same glory is on in this room right now. We appreciate you, Father. We thank you, Lord, for your love and your mercy. Not one of us here today are worthy. Each one of us has fell on our face so many times and made more mistakes than it's even worth mentioning, Lord. But such divine favor, such grace and love. And we adore you for it, Lord. We love you because you first loved us. Pray for our brothers and sisters, Lord, that this word that's come forth, Lord, they wouldn't resent it, that it didn't offend them, Lord, that, that they would take it and examine everything that they think, they would examine everything that they feel, everything that they examine through all, the, all of their life and everything that might not have been pleasing to you, might not have been the right way, exactly what you wanted, Lord. Lord, you're a gracious and kind God. You don't destroy us for this suffering and so merciful for a reason. Lord, you don't burn us up when we make mistakes. You don't burn us up when we have something wrong. Lord, you're kind and the loving hands of a very gentle Savior wrap around your people because it is still your purpose and your intent, Lord, that you might be able to reveal yourself to your people, that you might be able to have a equal relationship with your wife. Now, for us in our flesh, Father, we think that that's, how could that ever be possible that we would be equal with you, Lord. But this, again, is what your word declares. It said you made us co-equal with you. That when you took our place, you let us take yours. Lord, we appreciate such grace and mercy. We pray that you would keep the right spirit within us. We do understand what our enemy looks like. He's always trying to bring bitterness and frustration and irritation and all those things, Lord. But you're still greater than all of that. And Lord, we just humbly lean back at you and just trust you. We thank you, Lord, for speaking for us here today. We thank you for the words that you said, Lord. We thank how you, you witnessed it with your Holy Ghost. We just want to say thank you, Lord. I pray that you bless my brothers and sisters. Lord, this word, the seed's been planted in each one of our hearts. Lord, I was here and I got to hear it too. Lord, that ground was tilled up through that worship service, Lord, that precious, wonderful worship service. And that seed went into those parts of our heart, Lord, right where we need it. And I pray it didn't go into anything that was calloused, anything that was stony, anything that had not been thoroughly tilled, Lord. But I pray it was all broke up, all broke up in our heart, Lord, so your word could find good ground and that we could begin to grow the fruit of the kingdom, the fruit of your life, Lord. The fruit of you is eternal life. Lord, we love you this morning and pray that you would continue to work on our lives, work on us. 
that you would help us even in the waiting, Father. That you would help us keep the right attitude, Father, in the waiting. Have mercy on us, Lord. We thank you for each one of our brothers and sisters, Lord, how that you're working their lives. You're moving upon their hearts, Lord. The, the, the testimonies that keep coming in, Lord, we can't help but once again say how great is our God. How great is his work. Be with us as we go our separate ways, Lord. We have meetings next weekend. We, we deem them a special meeting just because it's a little bit out of the, uh, our normal as far as a Saturday night service and a Sunday morning service, Lord. But, but every time we get to meet with you, that's pretty special. That's a very special moment in heaven, Lord, is, is in your presence. And we've experienced that here today. But this next weekend, we'll have other brothers and sisters coming in to fellowship with us, Lord. And we pray that <coughs> the same anointing, the same presence, the same atmosphere that's here now, Lord, will be so magnified in the hearts and lives of your believers, Lord. Help us, Jesus. Be with us, Lord God. We love you so much and appreciate your mercy. We love you, Lord. Thank you for moving in this place, Lord. We surrender and submit all that we are to your Holy Spirit. But we don't want to hold nothing back from you today. There are many to come, Lord, and many to still surrender their hearts, Lord. Pray that you would put a burning desire in them right now, Lord. That such a, a hungering outcry can only be filled by your sweet Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord Jesus. There are many that are watching that need that same desire, Lord. That need their hearts set on fire to be a continual offering, a burning sacrifice before you, oh God. We don't, we don't want to be normal, Lord. We don't want to be like the world. We don't want to be like anyone else but you. We want our experiences to match your word. We want we want to be on fire for you like your word declares, Lord. We don't want to be snuffed out. We don't want to be stomped out by the trials of life. We want to burn for the whole world to see. And, Lord, we appreciate your mercy and your lovely and holy name. Amen. Let's sing that song again. Lord, I want to love you.
Yeah. 